Well, friends, family, countrymen, college football fans, yet another week of Gridiron Greatness has passed, which means we're coming to you with another riveting episode of Running for the Roses, a Rose Bros College Football Podcast production. I'm joined by the lucratively paid team of Ryan Baffalukas and Lucas Rohde. Boys, how are we doing this week? The lucrative, uh, what lucrative paid team? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lucas, I I, mean, I didn't realize you got ch- a, a check this week. Goodness, I, I, I thought we were student athletes and we didn't make uh, we didn't make income. We can start making money on our own sponsorship I, I, though. Now, which is nice. I, oh, I oh did this, you guys? I do this for the love of the sport, man. I just uh, do oh, you guys, you guys didn't get your sponsorship checks this week. Ooh, okay. Um, well, this week's episode was going to be sponsored by Fiji Water, but they didn't pay us, so hmm, guess it's not being sponsored this week. <laughs> So, uh, guys, we had an exciting week of college football. Um, one game kind of sticking out: Ohio State sticking it to the sp- sticking it to Sparty again and again and again and again. Um, I think they're still looked- scoring. Actually, I think I think Ohio State actually just just scored again. Just scored Quinn, again. Quinn, Quinn Evers just scored. They're up by <laughs> ninety right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, we saw we saw a lot of that kind of action going on this week. We thought Michigan State maybe was for real. Um, so people were buying the hype. I guess not. Um, you know, and we're getting ready for for rivalry week. This was kind of the last week before you get to like real, real rivalry week, except for USC UCLA. One of my favorite things about this week was watching USC and UCLA play each other, both wearing their home uniforms. It's got to be one of my favorite things in college football. Yeah, it's fun. It's a great it's uniform fun. game, especially when you have a UCLA minus three. <laughs> real fun. <laughs> Ryan was having a good time. So. This week here, we're gonna kind of uh, we're gonna jump right in, um, guys. Let's talk about that Ohio State game right out of the gates. I mean, that was the the marquee matchup, the game that had most of the eyes on it. I would say in America, and the one that I think surprised the outcome kind of the most, actually. I uh, I went on this podcast a week ago and I said I took Michigan State plus nineteen and a half, and I said, you know, if if the uh, if the Spartans don't cover the spread, then I have been wrong about how good they were all season. And uh, I just want to admit, I have been wrong about how good Michigan State is all season. Um, this was one of those situations where you probably shouldn't have seen it coming, considering how bad Michigan State's pass defense was, considering how Purdue torched them in their only previous loss. Ohio State's just getting better. I mean, they're just getting better every week. The offense, C.J. Stroud threw for 432 yards. Uh, I believe Ohio State had three receivers over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Chris Olave had a buck 40. I mean, this was something I th- I thought Michigan State could control the pace of the game, slow it down a little bit, run Kenneth Walker, kind of, you know, pull maybe lose with by 14 or 17, you know, make it close, and then Ohio State gets a late touchdown to, you know, put it up by 14 or 17 or something. But no, this was a a blitz from the start. Ohio State's up 49 nothing at halftime. The jokes on Twitter were that Mel Tucker should have signed his contract extension in the locker room instead of giving the team a, a halftime speech. Um, no, listen, credit to Ohio State. They clearly have, have gotten right. Uh, this was a team after the Oregon loss. People were questioning C.J. Stroud. They were questioning the offense. They um, Ohio State relieved their defensive coordinator of play calling duties and put in a new defensive play caller, and it's worked out. I think besides Georgia, they're probably playing the best football of any team in the country right now. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. I think completely dominant performance. And I think this is kind of what we thought Ohio State would be running at peak efficiency. 
Um, and obviously we'll get to Oregon in a little bit, but safe to say, I think they've surpassed, um, that team as a whole and are just clearly different than what they were from the beginning of the year. Uh, but also just touched on Michigan state. I mean, it was just an avalanche. I mean, Ohio state scored a touchdown on their first seven possessions. Um, CJ Stroud tied the Ohio state record for most touchdown passes in a game. He threw six touchdown passes. It was, it was just a blitz. I was surprised Michigan state at least couldn't put up some more garbage time points, you know, cause you know, it kind of had it at 60, uh, over 67 and a half would have been really, really nice. But, um, you know, some people just kind of give up when you're down by 49 points at halftime. But just the blitz. I mean, this is the Ohio State, I think, team we thought all year. And I think this game we're now talking about, okay, how far are they ahead? Not, not, not necessarily how far are they ahead of everyone in the Big Ten, but how close are they to who you just brought up, Ryan? How close are they to Georgia right now? Because um, I think these two are clearly the two best teams right now in college football do you guys remember like six weeks ago when ohio state fans were like we're gonna fire ryan day he's just not getting it done you guys remember that conversation well listen patrick it at in major college football if you lose a game they fire you it's it is remember the titans rules especially in the sec as we'll get to Uh, at some point soon um so yeah that's that that's not surprising what is nuts is ryan day three seasons even though last year was shortened due to covid he has yet to lose to a big 10 opponent in three years. Urban Meyer couldn't even do that. Like, Urban Meyer would that's still wild. lose that random-ass game in that's, the middle of the yeah, year, that's... but Ryan Day has not lost a Big Ten game yet at all. That's crazy. Maybe it'll happen in two weeks against a... Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Ryan Day is... I mean, I'm pretty sure Ryan Day's Ohio State team could take on the Jags and at least would probably draw even at this point. Like, Wait, hang on. I think I think Lucas was trying to say it'll happen in two weeks when P.J. Fleck and Minnesota come in and play. Is that, is that right, Lucas? <laughs> is that what you're getting at? Row the boat? <laughs> <laughs> They're still alive, man. They're still alive. Big one this weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. Lucas is going to give us a brief history here in a little bit of uh, of some, some, some Big Ten trophies and why there are so goddamn many. Um, moving on. Were there any games this week that you guys got excited got excited about to watch that you got geared up? Um, do we want to talk about the Sun Devils? Because I don't really want to. They just kind of make me sad inside. Uh, Lucas, I'll let you start since I touched on the uh, the Michigan State game first. Uh, I was just going to touch on real quickly uh, Arkansas Alabama. I think that was a game that was much closer than what a lot of people expected. Um, fun game with, with Arkansas, with the, the fake field goal that they got, uh, to get within a touchdown. Um, they really made Alabama fight for it. I, I think it's a bigger tale with Alabama, obviously right now being the second ranked team in the country. I just, this isn't as dominant of an Alabama team that we've seen in the past that usually would have probably beat an Arkansas team like this by three or four touchdowns, uh, in their sleep. Um, defensively, this is a team that can give up a lot. Uh, but kudos to Bryce Young. He got another game to uh, pad his stats for his Heisman candidacy. Um, passed for over 550 yards through five touchdowns, I believe. But uh, much, much closer game than for comfort. Give credit to Arkansas. But uh, right now, if I'm Alabama, I, I think there is a gap between them and Georgia when they when those two play in two weeks. Um Staying in the SEC, I know we're going to bring up Florida, but I think another interesting thing right now is Auburn uh, getting upset by South Carolina. Uh, 
this just feels it's fo- so funny. We were kind of talking up uh, Brian Harson and how much we liked that hire a couple weeks ago, and now it just feels like another Gus Malzahn year where they lose a couple, they lose, they beat some teams they shouldn't, but then they lose to some teams that they probably shouldn't uh, lose. But also, get us Shane Beamer getting uh, South Carolina to to a bowl game uh, right away. Uh, yeah, so I think it's interesting with Auburn. Like two weeks ago, they're six and three. Um, and then you lose to Mississippi state when you're up by 28 to what, 10, 28 to three at some point. Um, and then you lose this week to South Carolina. We had a buddy that had the over that game at 44 and a half, try to hit a parlay and it was 41 in the fourth quarter and, and Auburn couldn't, could score. So that was, that was a bit of a bummer. Um, I'm going to touch on Utah and Oregon when I give up my, my, uh, my, my weekly rose. So little spoiler there. Cincinnati just takes care of business against SMU. That was kind of a popular upset pick, especially kind of taking the points with the with the Mustangs. Um, our our fighting Dave Clausens could not get it done. Wake Forest That's held true. below thirty points for the first time all season. The over does hit in that game because Clemson's offense comes alive. Wake Forest can't stop anybody. Um, Clemson gets a twenty one point win. I believe Wake still controls its destiny in the Atlantic if they can win this week. Mm-hmm up in um, Chestnut Hill uh, playing Boston College. But um, tough one for Wake. I think it could have been a chance to really cap off a special season if they could get their first win over Clemson in like 15 years. But um was not going to happen. Michi- like I, uh, I I bet basically – I bet Michigan State and Maryland this week kind of cons- looking at the – Looking at the look ahead to the, the the big game, seeing as how you know these teams are, are going to be looking ahead. Uh, Michigan looks good, just as a spoiler alert. Fifteen nine eighteen, <laughs> Kay McNamara throwing all over the ball, throwing all over the field. Um, Michigan defense and special teams making plays, so they look good. Um, uh, how about Pitt? I think just to kind of wrap up, Pitt clinching the ACC Coastal Division to Pat Narduzzi's, I think second. Uh, division championship so they will be playing um either wake forest or i think clemson or nc ACC. state or NC okay state nc state still alive okay yeah they actually have um i believe if they win and wake loses uh, then they actually go because they have the tiebreaker um over clemson okay. um, right now but uh okay. but they could sell clemson i think needs wake and nc state to lose um because they lost to NC State, so they would uh, have that tiebreaker. But, but no, kudos to them. Even though uh, screw UVA for you know not telling us that Brandon Armstrong was going to play until like literally kickoff. Yeah. Um, for those who did not think he was going to play and took Pitt minus thirteen and a half, it was not a welcome sight to see him at all. But you still uh, almost got it too. You still almost got it. I, I know. Uh, I wish I would have known because I would have bet the over in that game. I think the over was only like sixty six and a half, but. Um, kudos to them. Uh, shout out to, I do want to touch on UTSA, uh, getting a last second touchdown to beat UAB. They are still undefeated, um, and moving towards a conference USA title. Um, also, uh, uh, shout out. I think we got to start talking a little bit about Notre Dame. They beat Georgia tech handily. That game was never close. Uh, but they just sit there 10 and one. They have an easy game against Stanford this week, 11-1. and one. And if there's some uh, trouble at the top of the rankings here the next two weeks, uh, we could be potentially seeing Notre Dame sneak up there. It's it's pretty crazy to me that 
Cincinnati has the best win of any team in the country right now. And, uh, and unless I'm completely missing something, but um, I mean, I guess technically Oregon might have the best win, but I mean, since he potentially is going to beat an 11, one team on the road and they can't get any, any love in these rankings. So um, yeah, Notre Dame playing, playing really good football. And, and I've, I've been seeing some of the articles about Jeff Collins at, uh, at Georgia tech. They're going to go likely three and nine unless they sure. can somehow beat, uh, beat Georgia. So not, not great to go three and nine in your third year. Granted, they had a lot of roster issues with the changing from the triple option, but it has, it has not been great for, uh, for Collins. Well, he's in a third year, third year of a seven year contract, I think is what they gave him. Yep. So, but yeah, three and nine in basically three straight years is, uh, not great. Not it's great. A bold, it's a bold strategy. God, <laughs> not doing great, Bob. So kind of looking at some games, we touched on some games that we watched, some games that we enjoyed. Um, let's do our weekly awards ceremony for listeners who are unfamiliar. We do bachelor style roses, um, to kind of give out some kudos for the year or not for the year for the week. Lucas, who gets your rose this week? So my rose is it's very close to home and close to the heart, but I'm actually giving mine to the 17-year-old freshman phenom for the Wisconsin Badgers, Braylon Allen. How long have you been sitting that one? Oh, for a long – oh, it's literally – I knew it, it after he broke off his first 70-yard run on, uh, on Saturday. I knew it was given to him, but uh, it's pretty unbelievable what he was in. This was a guy – he was their four-string running back coming into the year. Uh, he gra- he reclassified to graduate a year early, so um, he was actually supposed to come in 2022. Instead, he came in 2021 um, and was actually – we recruited him originally to play linebacker, um, switched him over to the offensive side of the ball. We've had some injuries, some guys leave, and all he's done in the last seven games is he's had seven straight 100-yard games, including this past week where he had 220 yards on 20 carries, and Nebraska just could not tackle him like at all, which is a, a theme for them when they play Wisconsin running backs. But um, he was just really awesome. And what was a, a huge game for the, obviously the Badgers for their, uh, for their title hopes, but um, also beating uh, up on uh, their rival Nebraska again, 35, uh, 28, they were able to come out with that win. So he doesn't turn 18 until January, which is kind of scary. The dude's just like an athletic freak. So I'm giving mine to, uh, to Braylon Allen uh, at Wisconsin. Ryan, who gets your uh, Rosie Rose this week? I just want to say it's crazy to me. Wisconsin finally has a good running back. I mean, that's right. Like crazy. It's been a while. It's been a while. I feel like every. I feel like every year you're like, man, they. This team's like one running back away from just being. What a weekend for Wisconsin running backs between uh, between Allen and then Jonathan Taylor Taylor, going for five rushing touchdowns against the Bills. I'm giving my weekly rose to Kyle uh, Kyle Whittingham and the uh, the Utah Utes. They. uh, I don't care that they spoiled the Pac-12's chances at the playoff. They thump Oregon 38-7. to And listen, Utah is everything that I want the ASU football program to be. They're physical. They're fundamentally sound. They play good football. They win big games. And that was a big game. I watched most of the first half. Um, great atmosphere in Salt Lake City. I love that stadium. I love that city. And Utah clinches a spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Um in a couple of weeks, the North team is to be determined. You could get Oregon, Oregon state, or even Washington state potentially, but 
you know, Utah to take advantage of how bad USC has been to be take advantage of ASU kind of being down the last couple of years and, and getting another division championship. Kudos to them. I love what Kyle Winningham does with that program. I love how physical they are. I love how they play. They control the line of scrimmage. Since Cam Rising's been put in the lineup, they've been excellent on offense. Um, so yeah, I mean Utah on their way to a nine and three season. They'll uh, play Colorado this week, potentially going to the Rose Bowl. Um, I saw a potential uh, bowl projection for Michigan and Utah in the Rose Bowl, which would just be a really fun physical game down there in uh, in Pasadena. So Kyle Kyle Whittingham and the Utah Utes getting my rose this week, Patty. All right, so my rose this week, I gave Ryan a preview of who gets my rose this week, and he uh, he disagrees with me, but I uh, I think my my rose this week is going to go to Arizona head coach Jed Fish. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, why does the Arizona head coach of the arguably the worst Power 5 team get my uh, rose? Ryan, wait, wait, hang know- on, Patrick. Why does the head coach of the arguably the worst Power 5 team in America get your rose? Because he's got a memory that's so long and so powerful. He can remember things he wasn't even there for. In his press conference today, he was warning the Arizona State Sun Devils that they remember when Arizona State threw it on fourth and four while they were up 63-7 to in last year's Territorial Cup. Now, I've been following this rivalry literally since I was two years old. Grew up in Tucson, went to Arizona State. The team who usually says the dumbest thing the week before usually ends up losing. And uh, Jed Fish gets my rose for that because I, I get that, like, you got to talk some shit before your rivalry week, but this just ain't the way to do it. Like, take your comeuppance. Like, Arizona State's not good, but it's definitely better than whatever product Arizona's been rolling out there this year. So we'll, we'll pick that game in a little bit, but. Yeah, Jed Fish, you get my rose this week for saying some really dumb shit. Such an he he he's getting lapped here in the Arizona media for because like what people are pointing out is like all right, so you're mad at ASU for throwing the ball, but you're not going to point out your team was down sixty three to seven in a rivalry game. Come on, Jed, what are you doing? What are you doing? But like, and he could have easily been like, you know what? We didn't like the way they handled their strategy. This year, we hope to make sure that it's a much more physical and more competitive game, and hopefully we come up top, and nobody would have faulted him, except now he's going to get dragged for a week. Because, welcome to Arizona College, college Sports, where there's really nothing going on. Now, speaking of coaches who have said some dumb shit in the past, um, Dan Mullen's looking for a new job. Uh, the Florida Gators have decided that... He wasn't getting the job done um, that maybe his antics weren't worth what you were getting out of him. Maybe a, maybe a year where you're going to be under 500 severely under 500, not competitive. Although I would make the argument you lose your quarterback, a wide receiver and the best offensive weapon in the draft. Yeah. You might have a down year, but the Florida Gators expect nothing but the best. So, guys, talk to me about this Dan Mullen firing and what does it really mean for an already crazy coaching carousel landscape that we are all about to go through? Well, I think in my, in my opinion, it it changes a lot because you could argue, I think you'd still have a lot of people that argue LSU is the best job, but I mean, I, I honestly, Florida could be potentially the best job available right now. Uh, 
But, I mean, it, it is a fall from grace for Dan Mullen. I thought the, his first three years at Florida, he was very successful. They went to, I believe, two SEC title games. They went to basically a New Year's Six Bowl every year, even including last year. They played, I believe, in the uh, – I think it was the, the Cotton Bowl against uh, yep. Oklahoma. Yep. But, uh, I mean, this was just a year – I mean, this was a team that almost beat Alabama at home was basically a two-point conversion away from from tying that game and going into overtime. And it just fell apart, uh, and it just looked like this team had just quit, um, especially against games. I mean, they let up 49 points in the first half to a 4-6 and six Sanford team, an FCS team two weeks ago, um, and had to score 70 just to, to eat that game out. And then you lose on the road to South Carolina. I think – I think what, what hurt them too is the way Georgia's looking and the way Georgia's recruiting. Georgia's going to have the number one recruiting class. I think of the right now has the number one recruiting class in the country. It's the second year in a row that's going to happen. One knock on Dan Mullen is he's a hell of a developer, but he just is not a great recruiter. And I think Florida saw themselves falling behind the fact that they might not even make a bowl this year. And to me, like if, if you really think those guys have quit on that head coach, I think you got to make this move because it's just really hard to bring them back. And Dan Mullen will be a head coach, probably at a power five program again, but it just, uh, it was just a year that just everything unraveled for him to get fired. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I, I think when you are evaluating this situation, you kind of look at micro and macro, right? When you look at the macro of Dan Mullen, he went 34 and 15 in his basically four year tenure there. They won 10 games in 2018, made the Peach Bowl. They won 11 games in 2019, made the Orange Bowl. 2020, in the COVID year, they won the they won the division and pushed Alabama in that SEC championship game. So the like, good luck to the coach that has to follow that and say, all right, well, your predecessor went to three New Year's Six Bowls in his first three years, so good luck. But a lot of the things that Lucas said, where it's the recruiting tailing off, whether it's the weird – you know, press conferences, whether it's the, I mean, do you remember Lucas in that cotton bowl? They like, didn't even show up. They like, no. were like, yeah, our season ended against Alabama. Like they didn't even yes. give a shit about that bowl. It was they weird. Said, Dan Mullen, like said, our JV team played today. Yeah. I mean, and, and they got the doors blown off them by, I think, I think Oklahoma in that yeah. game. It was okay. So, and then like, clearly the team had quit. Like they gave up 50 points to Samford. They gave up 42 in the first half to an FCS team that was under 500. Yeah. I mean, just insane. Right, you lose to Missouri, and like there were also some weird, like Dan Mullen not wanting to win the game in that game where he was punting from like thirty-five, like didn't try to get the, didn't try to kick the game-winning field goal late, like didn't want to move them into field goal range, like just weird stuff. And apparently, he was just he was giving the option to coach against Florida State and, and turned it down, said no. So really? that's what I, that, that that's a tweet I had saw that basically said Mullen was told he was going to be fired and was given the option to coach and then did not coach. So hmm. I don't know. That was something I saw on Twitter. I don't know what, how plugged in that reporter was. So I, I understand making the change, but the, I mean, truthfully, the precedent that is now set in the SEC is if you have a bad year, you will be fired. And yeah. that is such a weird, like, I know the stuff at LSU wasn't good with Ed Orgeron, but he was fired less than two years after winning a national championship. And one of those years included a COVID year. You know, I mean, Dan Mullen was a great coach seemingly for three years. The bottom fell out this year, but let's not forget he had to replace Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. Like they had a lot of firepower on offense they had to replace. But 
you know, they're not they're not recruiting at the level that Georgia is, and and they may not be recruiting the level of Tennessee um, or maybe Missouri at some point soon because Missouri has a pretty highly rated class. So it's a tough situation there. But I mean, we we got a lot of high profile jobs open, and someone's going to be left out in the cold here with not not getting the guy they want. I mean, there's a lot of and I, I know I don't know Pat like Patty if you want to go into into names here, but like. I don't know, man. There's a lot of jobs, and like, yeah, you're seeing I, you're, you're seeing James Franklin sign an extension, Mel Tucker sign an extension. Like, who's going to oh, take these jobs? So, so I I was having a conversation who I with with whom I like to refer to as my college football sage. Anybody was it me? My, no, it was me, not you. Right? No. no, it was the oldest and gnarliest Big Ten fan in my entire life. Your dad, my dad Pete, yeah, um, who's done some celebrity picks for us on the pod. Um, but he was talking about how he's like, if I'm at one of these jobs, if I'm Mel Tucker at Michigan State, and Michigan State's going to pay me all this goddamn money, James Franklin at Penn State's going to get paid all this goddamn money, and you are secure in the fact that you'll get eight, nine wins every year, everybody loves you, you're going to go to a bowl game, you're going to kind of compete, well, why would you take that step to go to an LSU where, yeah, you're dealing with bigger budgets, yeah, you're dealing with better players, but you have one bad year and you're looking for work again. Like, do you well, really want to? Do you really want to take that Kevin Sumlin fall from grace that now seems to be the mo in the SEC? There's two things that we're seeing a trend in in college football right now. One is coaches are getting fired at a rate that I don't remember ever happening before, where coaches are getting fired after one bad year. Um, buyouts, like schools are just saying, screw it. We're going to pay the buyout, whatever we can't afford to fall behind. But the other thing is like the supply of quality candidates is not meeting the demand because these jobs are opening so frequently now. Like you, you don't have these, even like Tom Herman, who was a, a, a guy that everyone wanted was this hotshot G five coach. Like you don't have that. Maybe it's Billy Napier, but like, and I think the other thing is, I think you're seeing a lot of power five coaches very content to do like what you said, Patrick, stay at your school, leverage the job opportunity to take a big contract, whether it's guys like Mike Gundy, whether it's Pat Fitzgerald, whether it's um, Mel Tucker, whether it's James Franklin, whether it's Mario Cristobal, like I think you're seeing a lot of these coaches being like, yeah, we don't really want to mess with that stuff in the SEC. Like we're fine. Like we're, we'll make, I mean like Jeff Brown, like we were looking up earlier talking about ASU, like Jeff Brown makes almost $5 million. He has like the fifth best job in his in his division. Why is Jeff Braun going to go leave and go coach Florida when he can make five million dollars and go eight and four at Purdue? They're going to build him a statue in ten years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's also too like I just don't think that yeah these are better jobs, but it's so freaking hard to win nine, ten, eleven games year after year after year, especially in the SEC and especially if you're in the West, like if you're LSU where every damn team is so freaking competitive and all those teams are willing to pay a ton of money to get results. And I think it's just, you know, lifestyle, like, like Patty, I think you made a good point where like, if you can win eight, nine games, make good money, leverage it. And you're in a spot that you love, like, especially James Franklin, like he's from, or he's from that area. Mike Gundy was a Oklahoma state alum. Like 
I think these guys also like where they coach. And I think it's I, – I completely agree. Like, you're firing all this – I think it's a big reason why Nebraska uh, is didn't fire Scott Frost. I think it's going to be a big reason why ASU doesn't fire Herm Edwards. Yeah, I just it, – it, it comes around this. And, and we can talk about the names till we're blue in the face. But, Ryan, I think you're right. I think we're at a point where the demand is now outweighing the supply. Like, we're going to get to a point where there's going to be dance – there's going to be people wanting to dance without partners. You're going to sit here and tell me that right now, jobs that are open are LSU, Florida, USC, Washington, Washington Virginia Tech, Tech, TCU, Virginia Virginia Tech, Tech, TCU. Have USC, LSU, and Florida all ever been open at the same time in the history of college football? I, I don't know. They probably never have been because I would be willing to bet because one of those teams has always been good at one time. So what I think we're seeing is I think that these programs, particularly in the SEC, are sitting here going, well, Nick Saban does it every year. Dabo Sweeney does it every year. Why can't we do it every year? And it's like, because you don't have those guys. Right. Like, yeah. Like, and so I think when we look at coaching in college football, I mean, this even goes back to that article that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that ESPN published about how much dead money is in college sports going to coaches that aren't coaching. Like, yes. you know, Auburn Auburn got rid of Gus Malzahn, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, are you telling me that Gus Malzahn couldn't do what's currently happening? What about Steve Sarkeesian in Texas? I mean, Tom Herman yeah. never had a losing record at Texas. Went 4-0 in bowl games. And – Steve Sarkeesian has lost to Kansas and in his first year, which by the way, like it's not like he and he, like we have also this fallacy that like every single job is like a rebuild from the ground up. Like Tom Herman didn't leave the cupboard bare. Like yeah. they won seven or like eight or nine games last year in the COVID year. Like they were decent. It's just, they weren't good enough to for him to keep his job in year you four. Know, or whatever you know, it, was. It, it reminds me of one of my favorite college footballs of, of all time. Is Mac Brown happier at North Carolina than he ever was at Texas? Yeah, probably. I mean, Mac Brown did win a natty, but yeah, probably. Like, he probably won a natty, but like, Mac Brown leaves and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go take the job at North Carolina. And he looks like he's having a good old time and doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. You know who has the best job in America? Pat Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. He gets, to live, he gets to live in Chicago. Nobody cares what is right. They're 4 and 8 this year and underdogged at Illinois. And it's like, do you hear Pat Fitzgerald? If Pat Fitzgerald was coaching the SEC, he'd be fired 10 years ago, man. You know? Like, but like these, and, and, and I, I, I look at the Big Ten specifically because, and I think Lucas can speak more to this, but you have all these long tenured coaches, whether it's Kurt Ferentz, whether it's Paul Chris, whether it's um, Jim Harbaugh, whether it's, um, uh, I mean, Scott Frost has been there four or five, but like these coaches seemingly just want to stay there. Like they make and, a lot and, of money and, and they're, they're fine staying there. Well, and, and where and we you, oh, go ahead, Lucas. Say, well, if you look at the trend, like in the big 10, like Paul Chris, Wisconsin alum, Scott Frost, Nebraska alum, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan alum, Brett Bielema, uh, Iowa alum. Raphael, Iowa alum, but from but from Illinois, and then like Kirk Ferentz has obviously just been at Iowa forever. I think it's those guys. I think they. I think in the Big Ten, you hire more for kind of the fit for what you are um, as a university, and I think a big part of that is because if you get a guy who's an alum or from the area, if they're good, the chances of them leaving um, 
isn't particularly high. Right. Like Paul Christ is not going to go anywhere unless Wisconsin shows him the door. No. Right. Like he's not going to leave ever. No. Like unless unless job. he um, unless they have to like leverage to keep Jim Leonard and there's some weird like office politics, but that's just not going to happen. Like Barry Alvarez was at Wisconsin coaching football for what fifteen years, and then he became the athletic director. Like. They don't leave. And I, and I think that what we, we have a problem of is you look at, we talked about this, should Michigan fire Jim Harbaugh? No. Because like, is you either get Jim Harbaugh or you get the field. Is the field really better? I mean, yeah. Do I think the Sun Devils need to fire Herm Edwards? Probably so. But do I get Herm Edwards or do I get the field? Especially when everybody else is trying to hire coaches and some one of these big programs is going to throw a lot of money at a really, really bad candidate. My hot yeah. take is, um, my hot take is, you know, like we talk about, well, oh my God, LSU's a top five job in the country, and you know, Florida's a top five job. If you're a top five job in the country, and your two leading candidates turn you down to stay at their school and get big money extensions, are you really a top five job? Yeah. If, if if you're Texas and you have to hire the Alabama offensive coordinator to be your coach, or that's who you choose to hire, or you're Texas and your previous three coaches have all failed and failed pretty miserably, or you're Florida and no coach since Urban Meyer has lasted 50 games, you really a great job, or is it you you think you're a great job, right? In air quotes. Like at some point, maybe we have to reevaluate how we deem these jobs because if you're if you don't get mel tucker if mel tucker says i'd rather stay at michigan state than coach lsu maybe that says something about either your culture your administration something isn't right there that lsu is trying to hire its fourth coach or it's it's like fourth candidate right i mean that that's common sense to me yeah it it makes too much sense and 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 we can I, i think that coaching in college football particularly is going to become, I think this is a long-term issue. I don't think we've nearly began to see the ramifications because I think board of trustees um, and boards of regents are going to get testy about some of this stuff. What happens if Florida goes and has to goes and spends $30 million hiring a coach and next year they go three and nine? It can happen. Well, well. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Lucas, real quick, consider this. Like Dan Mullen was an offensive coordinator for a national championship Florida team. Then he coached an SEC team for, what, eight years? Yeah. Like, are you going to hire that anywhere near that home run of a candidate, just like with his resume? Like, Billy Napier has been a coach for four years at the, in the Sun Belt. Like, that's your replacement? Another offensive guru, like kind of up and coming head coach. It's basically well, what they just fired. But well, it's like it's like Matt Rule. Like every time I'm like, maybe Matt Rule comes back to college football, and he's sitting up there in Carolina with his cushy NFL job, and he's like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, like, no, it's, like, well, and 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 add to like you mentioned, Patrick. Like you go three nights. It's possible now with the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, you lose a head coach, you could lose half your roster now within a year because there's no penalty for those guys leaving. So I think that's also a big pressure cooker for, for these universities is, you know, if you're trying to keep a roster together, you know, finding your head coach probably isn't the best way to do that. Exactly. That was a fun conversation, guys. So, so Ryan, when the dust settles, oh, I, I, you are our number one guy on this. When the dust settles, who are we looking at as the head coach of the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators? 
Well, as all of our loyal listeners were uh, aware, last year, Luke, uh, last week, Lucas and I did peg the LSU job. Um, I believe I had uh, Lucas. Do you have that handy? I don't have the sheet open. Uh, Actually, wait, I do. Uh, so last week, I had Mel Tucker at LSU. That was a swing and a miss. And Lucas had Mike Gundy, which is still alive. I think Billy Napier is going to get Florida. I think they're going to look for a guy that has kind of the Saban recruiting chops comes from that tree. A lot of sec coordinator or sec assistant coaching experience. I think there's, there's some weird, like I don't want to, I'm not one to, to track flights, but there, there was a, a flight tracker tweet that I, I did share with you guys. Apparently there's also some Florida players and staff that have followed Billy Napier on Twitter. So I'm just, again, connecting the dominoes here, connecting the dots, whatever it's saying is. Uh, I'll go Billy Napier's at Florida. LSU, man, I, I don't know. I really thought it was going to be Mel Tucker, and it looks so, like Mel Tucker leveraged them so, for a new job. So I have a crazy idea. If I'm LSU, do I look at Dan Mullen and go, maybe it's not Dan? Think no, about it, Ryan. No. Think about Dan it. Dan Mullen, they, Dan Mullen doesn't want to. I, I think Dan Mullen's going to go to Virginia Tech, would be my okay. guess. Because I think I think Virginia Tech is a big enough program to lure him. He doesn't have to recruit top five classes. He's in a bit of a kind of like Starkville, like diff, mm-hmm. weird, not weird part of the country, but like smaller, not mm-hmm. as big of a fishbowl as Gainesville. I think mm-hmm. Virginia Tech makes a lot of sense for Dan Mullen. Um, and LSU, like I was like, I don't, I don't know. They're going to make a run at Lincoln Riley. I don't know who they're going to get. I thought Mel Tucker was a home run. Him and Franklin both going back. Maybe they maybe they settle on Lane Kiffin. Maybe it's Dave Aranda, but like I don't know, man. Patty, like we said, a couple of these schools are going to be left at, left at the altar here. And then and then once all the SEC crap settles, there's still a team out west that doesn't have a head coach. Like, yeah, it's two just crazy. Them. Two of them. Yeah, two of them that's right. Because that exactly like Ed. Oh, come coach USC just so I can have fun tweets. Um. <laughs> That I would kill in, in Go Trojans. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, Ryan, uh, you did some reporting on us. The last thing we'll talk about before we did some coaching stuff, you 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 found some reporting on Arizona State. You and I have been harping for weeks now that Arizona State needs to move on from Herm Edwards, um, the school near and dear to our heart. Uh, what's that What's that reporting coming back from? Yeah, so Chris Carbon of, Sun, of SunDevilSource.com put out a post on his uh, Sun Devil Source message board. I'm not going to read too much of it because it is a, a paid site, but he basically says, um, I have extremely high confidence that Herm Edwards will not retire or step down. He is very much planning on continuing to be ASU's football coach, and he does not hurt. He does not expect Edwards to be fired at the end of the year. Chris Carbon is one of the most plugged in, if not the most plugged in ASU insider. Um, he runs their 247 site. Um, I texted, I don't know if it was you guys or texted somebody else. Like, I don't think Michael Crow and Ray Anderson really care too much if the football program is super, super competitive year in, year out. I think as long as Ray can build facilities and, and fundraise and get money and whatever. And I also think Ray is slow to admit mistakes. Like it took him a while to fire the ASU baseball coach, Tracy Smith. Um, and I just, I, I think unless Ray is pressured by Michael Crow or it gets so bad and this season for ASU for as much as we complain about it has not gotten that bad. I don't think a move will be made. It, it doesn't look likely. I, I thought that because of the investigation, Edwards might be forced to retire or, you know, mutually agree to part ways. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. 
Um, and listen, like we talk about, right, my, like macro and micro, the macro for ASU is they're likely going to be eight and four, maybe nine wins with the bowl game, which would be their most wins since I think 2014. Um, but when you watch these games, like they're not pretty, you know, they're not fun. Jane Daniels, the former top 50 recruit at quarterbacks gotten worse. They have no downfield passing threat. Um, and they're going to lose a lot of players next year. Most of this defense is going to be gone. Daniels potentially could transfer. Rashad White probably going to go to the NFL. It could be really bad next year. Like I legit think ASU may struggle to make a bowl game next year. Um, so we'll see. I think the investigation will be hanging over this team again next year, but it doesn't look like her beverage is going to go anywhere. Yeah. And like I mentioned too before, I think – with all these big time job openings, I just think that there's just little motivation to try to move on from a head coach because you're probably not going to get your top candidate that you're going to want. Yeah, because if you're a tier two or let's say you're a tier three or four school, because there's not enough tier one candidates, everything's going to bleed on down. Though I would say Dan Mullen at ASU would be awesome. Like that would be <laughs> what be so? What be a great hire? Yeah. It'd be so much fun. All right, guys, let's run it back. We'll start hanging 70 points a week. It'd be great. Great. All right. So enough coaching coaching talk. Um, Lucas, I know we, we're a little short on time, but it's rivalry week. And for rivalry week, I always want to talk about trophies and things that some of these schools kind of hold up as we want to keep whatever useless piece of garbage we had 60 years ago to pass between the two of us. So, the best place to talk about rivalry trophies is the Big Ten. So, Lucas, talk to us about some of your favorite Big Ten trophies. Who plays for them, and why? Let's start with let's start with the one that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. One that's probably nearest and dearest to your heart, Paul Bunyan's axe. Yeah, and it, the thing about Paul Bunyan's axe, it might not have been the best trophy in this series. They used to play for a slab of bacon. Like, it was legit, like, wooden slab of bacon. And it just got lost. Um, like, it, it was in Madison, and then when they moved, it just it just got lost. Oh, so for, those of you, for, 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 for those of you who don't know, uh, the slab of bacon and now Paul Bunyan's axe, that is the trophy that travels between the University of Minnesota and the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, but you know, Paul Bunyan's axe, uh, is fantastic. Uh, they've been playing for that. Um, I want to say since, uh, yeah, the axe was introduced in 1948. Um, they have been playing for it, but you know, all these, all these trophies have interesting histories. Sometimes it was just alumni groups creating it. Um, I think it's one of the, the unique things about college football, um, is, the rivalries that you have between these teams that have been playing for you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin will be meeting for their 131st time uh, uh, as, as programs playing on Saturday. And these were, these were the games you want, like there, because people forget, like you really weren't playing for national titles and things like that. For most of college football history, it was these regional rivalries your alums wanting to beat your rival university. But, you know, yeah, you have Paul Bunyan's Axe. Indiana and Michigan State play for the old brass batoon. 
Indiana Purdue, which will be playing this week, play for the old Oaken Bucket. Uh, and then you also have uh, Iowa in Nebraska playing for the Heroes Trophy, which is just uh, – we play the like, the Freedom Trophy against Nebraska. We won that this week. I do think one of the more underrated ones, it's no longer in service, but it was the $5 Bits of Broken Chair Trophy that was uh, played between Minnesota and Nebraska. It was actually uh, created by the uh, the fake Bo Pelini account and uh, another Minnesota <laughs> fan. How basically they just said, one of them said, I will give you $5 if Minnesota wins. And then the other account said, I'll take bits of a broken chair if uh, if Nebraska wins. So they they just combined them, and it was uh it was an unofficial trophy for the first couple of years that the schools actually did play for. It then uh, the athletic department sadly then retired it, uh, but you can actually go to uh, five dollar bits uh, trophy dot com. It is now just a fundraiser for childhood cancer. I literally just looked this up while we were doing this pod. But, uh, yeah, you can donate to either Minnesota or the University of Nebraska for childhood cancer to and to also keep the trophy alive. So actually goes to a really, really great cause. And then we talked about Paul Bunyan's axe. There's also just the Battle of Paul Bunyan, which is Michigan and Michigan State that Michigan State now has. They've been playing uh, for a wooden statue of Michigan or, uh, of Paul Bunyan since 1953. So, it's just crazy. Uh, the newer ones that they put in are just kind of stupid, like the, the Iowa-Nebraska one and the Wisconsin-Nebraska. It's the Heroes and the Freedom Trophy. They were just made-up kind of trophy games when they probably yeah. didn't need one. They should be more organically made instead of just kind of fakely made. But you also have the so, land-grant trophy, too, between Penn State and Michigan State. Now, do, do, do like Iowa and Nebraska, do they just play for, like, shucks of corn at this point? Like... No, they play for the, the Heroes Trophy. Right. So what they should be playing for is just like shucks of corn. Like 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 winner gets the good seed this year. Like that what we're doing? Like the winner also, gets plentiful harvest. <laughs> like, winner gets yeah, golden harvest. The 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 loser gets um oh god, I'm trying to think of seed from uh back in my uh back in your farming days also lucas how many times does wisconsin have to beat michigan and michigan state before wisconsin gets to claim the up like when does that happen it should have happened already (laughs) two years ago we beat both of them uh pretty handily uh and we beat uh yeah two years ago we beat central michigan michigan and michigan state and did the packers sweep the vikings in that year as well so like it's yeah the line well we always sweep the lines that's the lines that's right the lines it's vikings lines whatever it's the midwest Um, who cares (laughs) but it should be they should just rotate it i've been to the up it's beautiful but it's not even attached to michigan it's attached to wisconsin the only reason we don't have it is because of an even shittier state below Michigan because of Ohio. Because Ohio claimed Toledo and to dissolve a civil conflict between the Michigan militia and the Ohio militia over frickin' Toledo, they gave Michigan the UP since they gave Ohio uh, Toledo. So that's why I, I would say I would say though the cutout of the state of Wisconsin looks really pretty. If you gave yeah. them the UP, if you gave them the it UP, it looked it, it'd be look like it was wearing a penis hat. 
Okay, yeah. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that is the one benefit. Uh, that, yeah, the cutout of look, the state is fair. It doesn't look like a, it look like we're in a dick hat. So there you go. So folks, that's a history lesson it's, from it's here. A, it's a flaccid unicorn, as I like to call it. Well, folks, you, get, anyway. you, you <laughs> really, really got to ring ourselves back in here, fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really got to ring ourselves back we're in. We're back. Hey, we're back. Hey, history, history lesson, man. Where else, other than running for the roses, are you going to get trophy history? Why Wisconsin doesn't have the UP, and what a flaccid penis hat looks like, all in one conversation. I'm just saying. I'm definitely going to have to put the explicit uh, notice. Oh on yeah. The, uh, what oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Well, that that is that is a moment in the day of Big Ten history. If I've ever seen one. Okay, Ryan. So let's go to picks. Let's go to our picks this week. Ryan, you've got an update Boys. in the standings. Rough r- rough weekend for the syndicate here. Uh, we'll start with Lucas an zero and three week for Mister Rody. Uh, the L's, the over sixty seven and a half in Michigan State, Ohio State. That was a tough one. East Carolina minus three and a half, also a bad beat. Uh, Rutgers plus seventeen and a half. Uh, that one less of a uh, less of a bad beat there. Lucas's record this season is sixteen and fourteen. Patrick went one and two. The losses were Michigan State plus nineteen and a half, never a doubt. Ole Miss minus thirty six and a half, never a doubt either. Uh, Michigan minus fourteen and a half, also never in doubt. So Patrick had a nice relaxing weekend, a couple losses and a win. Patrick is currently leading the picks at eighteen and twelve. Ryan, uh, I had a the only winning week in the group. I had uh, the under 59.5 in ASU Oregon State. That, I believe, hit 34. Baylor plus uh, half a point. Baylor won by 10 in Manhattan. And then I, like Patrick, had the Spartans of Michigan State plus 19.5, which was, which was over by about eight minutes to go in the second quarter. So, so fellas, with one week left in the regular season – uh, we are separated by one game each. Patrick is up one game on me. I'm up one game on Lucas. So plenty to plenty to pick for here down the stretch. Need a I need a rebound week in the worst way. Just uh, just brutal. Yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely not a pretty week in college football, as far as Ryan calls us the syndicate. Um, so let's start with some picks. Um, Guys, just just your basic picks. Like, who do you think? Who do you like? Who do you like this week? I'm going to take uh, Texas A&M minus six and a half over LSU. Um, LSU beat ULM by 13 points. They are banged up. They are not going to a bowl. Well, I guess technically they could go to a bowl game if they win. I think A&M still fighting for placement in this division. I still think they want to play. And uh, I think they beat LSU by, by about a touchdown to 10 points. Um, so I'm going to take Texas A&M minus six and a half over LSU. No concerns about whether or not Texas A&M can actually score enough points. I don't know if L- I don't know if LSU will score eight points. So <laughs> that's a good point. Also, good point. Oh, this is this is a good uh, it would be a good farewell present for Jimbo before he goes to LSU too. Yeah, I was going to say this is this is basically a job interview for Jimbo. What's his extension going to be now? Yeah. <laughs> Jimbo, we're gonna hand you a blank check, and every every couple weeks, you fill it out and deposit it. Boosters, will make sure there's enough money to cover. Just send us a text message. Oh, uh, God, Jimbo Fisher, the reason why college football extensions are stupid. All right, Lucas, who are you picking this week? I am uh, so staying once again uh, similar to my rose pick. 
I'm actually going to be taking Wisconsin minus six and a half on the road for Paul Bunyan's axe against Minnesota. Um, just from the bottom line, I think this Wisconsin team, especially on offense, uh, is playing as well as it has been all season. Nebraska was able to exploit Wisconsin's defense a little bit. They were really the first team all year to do that. However, uh, I mean, if, if Minnesota throws for over 100 yards in this game, that will shock me. Um, Tanner Morgan has not been very good. They're also down to their four-string running back. Um, their strength is their run game. Wisconsin has the number one rush defense in the country. Um, I, I just think this is a, kind of a lopsided game. So I'm going to take Wisconsin minus six and a half. So my pick this week, um, I am taking the Sooners of Oklahoma plus three and a half. If there's one thing I've learned about Lincoln Riley's crew this year um, and Caleb Williams is they love to play up or down to their competition and they like to get up for big games. Um, in the Red River rivalry game, it looked like, man, they're not going to show up. And then all of a sudden, Caleb Williams comes into the game and blows the doors off the place. I think for an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State team, especially for an Oklahoma team that's like, all right, well, we're probably not going to the natty. So let's uh, let's play some games. I think Lincoln Riley's going to have his guys queued up, and I think Oklahoma wants to remind everybody that they're still in charge in the Big 12. Um, that's my pick this week, and like I said, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma as underdogs. I think they, they're they going to win this game outright, so I'll take the points. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'll actually just follow that because I'm actually going to be taking that as my upset pick as well. Uh, there you go. Oklahoma plus three and a half kind of following like you were saying, Patrick, and also Oklahoma owns the series. Uh, Mike <laughs> Gundy and his career against Oklahoma is two and 14. Um, so that alone, I feel like every, every year these two teams are good. We always build up Bedlam as this great game. And then Oklahoma just absolutely kicks the crap out of Oklahoma State. <laughs> Um, Lucas, Lucas. You, you, you can say the word shit. We were just talking about penis unicorns, so please. <laughs> I was trying to keep the end clean in case uh, in case my nephew decides to listen to this podcast. I got to keep it clean. But dude, uh, the ex- dude, the explicit mark is already going to be on there. Like I know, but uh, but anyways, even though uh, this might be Lincoln Riley's worst offensive team and Mike Gundy's best defensive team, I still uh, even if Oklahoma State wins this game, I still think it's going to be close. So I'm going to take Oklahoma with the points for the upset. What about you guys? What's your upset picks? Um, my upset that? this week, I'll, I'll I'll give my upset this week. Um, this one was actually, I was kind of inspired by Ryan, but also inspired on the trip we took. Um, my upset this week, I'm going to take Vanderbilt plus thirty one and a half at the University of Tennessee. Vanderbilt's been playing some good football. Okay, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee has not been playing great football. Now, however bad you want to say that the Vanderbilt Commodores are, which I would I would agree that they are, um, you cannot disagree with the fact that they might be playing good football. And if I get 31 points, that would mean that if they score 10, that means Tennessee's got to score 40. If they get 14, that means Tennessee's got to score 45. And I don't know if I just I don't know if Tennessee can score that many points. I just don't. I'm well, not confident. Tennessee just just FYI, Patty, Tennessee scored 66 this week against uh, South Alabama. Listen, I I like the pick, but but Patty trying to say that Tennessee can't score is probably not helping your argument here because the you know one what? thing Tennessee 
what you need to be arguing is, yeah, Tennessee can put up 55, but Vandy can score 27. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Watch watch Tennessee only score 21 points this way because you opened your fucking mouth, man. This is the guy. Vandy, this is the guy. Vandy shuts out Tennessee. This is this is the same guy who's like, yeah, I picked Arizona State plus five and a half, and Arizona State wins by five, and I'm like, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> All righty, I'm picking Florida State plus two and a half against Florida. Um, one team quit, one team hasn't. I think Florida State they started zero and four. They have a chance to make a bowl game here. The winner of this game makes a bowl game, and. Florida firing their coach and having the performances they've had recently doesn't lead me to think that they care anymore. I don't even know if you're the players. Do you want to go to a bowl game? Like, do you want to like practice for three more weeks and potentially miss the holiday season with your family? Like, but I think Mike Norvell's team, the staff, the players, I think they really want to win this game. I think they want to uh, go to a bowl game. And I think this time of year when you're picking games, it's like, who's, who's mentally in it and who's not. And I don't think – obviously, Florida fired their coach. I don't think they're in it. So I'm going to go Florida State plus two and a half in the swamp. In the swamp. All right. Uh, no, I was just going to say, perfect perfect situation where you have two programs trending in completely different directions right now. But. Yeah. And then, like, like Miami's kind of like right in the middle. Like, Miami's yeah. like, <laughs> do we fire Manny Diaz? Do we not? We just beat Virginia Tech. We're, we, we beat Pitt. Like, what the hell's going on? What what am I supposed it, to do with my hands? I don't know. I I think Miami would be dumb to do it because I just don't know who the heck they would get unless they could bring in Lane Kiffin. But well, Mario Cristobal's there, Golden Goose, because he's he is an alumni there. Yeah. the 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 rumor was not to get us too far off track was they fired their AD because he didn't get along with Mario Cristobal. <laughs> honest, honest to God, that's what I was listening to on uh on the Cover Three Pot was that apparently. The, the president and Mario Cristobal didn't like each other, and or not, not the um, the AD, and so they fired. Potentially, one of the reasons they fired the AD was to try to make it run at Mario Cristobal. So, anyway, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's I, where we're that's where we're at now in college football. I just want uh, if, if yeah if Mario Cristobal or people get chased. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Barry on HBO, but um, yes. great memes uh, would come uh, about Miami trying to get Cristobal. <laughs> if you want to reference one of my favorite shows. But anyways, what are you guys' right. uh, picks? All right, this and week? locks this week. Locks. So, locks this week. Um, I go to this team every time I feel like I need a win, so I, I want to make sure I at least get one this week. So my lock this week is the Georgia Bulldogs. Minus 30 half, 34 and a half on the road at Georgia Tech. I think the Bulldogs are going to stick it to them, go, all right, we want one more game. Just to remind everybody who's king of the jungle, um, they're going to see what Ohio State did to uh, Michigan State last week, and they're going to be like, nope, we're still kings of the jungle. And uh, I think they're going to give it to Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech's going to like it. And it's not going to like it. They might. I don't know. There's, or Tech's going to like it. <laughs> there's, there's there's a good chance, because this game's obviously in Atlanta, that there's probably going to be like 80% Georgia fans. Oh, oh even, yes. if, even if it was in Tech, I'd be like, yo. No, like, it is in Tech. No, it is in Tech. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, yeah. it's probably going to be like 80%. This yeah. this could be easily be like when Georgia played Vandy this year, where it's 49 nothing after like a quarter. 
So <laughs> kind of like Ohio State, Michigan State. Yeah, I exactly. remember. I, okay, so I remember us sitting in, the, in that Wisconsin bar watching this game while we were in in Nashville. Every time we'd go, one of us would go to get drinks. It's like, yeah, Georgia scored again, and you're like, what? Yep. Oh, they got the ball back. <laughs> but then, Patty, remember the last big Georgia line you you picked was against Missouri, and they won by like thirty seven, not thirty eight. It was a, like yeah. a, a a a bad beat. <laughs> uh, my my lock of the week is Iowa minus one and a half against Nebraska. Um, Iowa has a chance for a ten win season. Adrian Martinez is out for this game. Um, I just think Iowa's better. I think Iowa's better than I think they they win by at least a field goal, and that's all I have to do. Like. Um, this is basically a pick 'em. I think when when this came out, Iowa was was underdogged, uh, and then when the when the Martinez news came down, it, it swung four four and a half points. So I like Iowa up until like three four points. I I just think they're a better team, and and they'll win by between probably three and fourteen. You know, what's the what's the over under? It's the total. Uh, stand by. Just interested to see where that forty one and a half. Sounds about right. I uh, I bet the under thirty eight and a half for Illinois and Iowa this week, and it uh, that was a uh, not not a bad beat, just a, a bad bet by me. Bad, yeah. <laughs> you had bad beats and bad bets. Bad that bets. was a bad bet. And I, you can't go. It's it's that's just brutal because you have two teams, Illinois, Iowa. You pretty much always bet the under when those two teams play, and then when they play each other, it's like a, a no brainer. But you just get Iowa. Iowa almost down. had it on its own. Iowa scored thirty three. So. Yeah. But uh, that is um, that I will be taking for my lock, kind of going off grid here. I'm going to go over 56 and a half uh, for Kentucky at Louisville. Oh, no. um, I just think both these teams, Malik Cunningham, Will Levis, really like to throw the ball quite a bit. Hey, hey, Lucas, uh, Lucas, do us a favor. Do us a favor. Your audio kind of cut out. Run that back for us real quick. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm taking Kentucky and Louisville over 56 and a half. Um, I think they, they used to battle for like the bourbon barrel or something like that uh, when we were just talking about uh, like Big Ten trophies. Um, but obviously a rivalry game. But I think uh, two solid quarterbacks, um, a good running game for Kentucky. Louisville doesn't really play a ton of defense, uh, but I think this could be a, a really fun back and forth. Uh, game for the battle of the state of Kentucky. So I'm going to take the over 56 and a half uh, in that game. All right. All right. Well, we've got some picks. We've got some locks. Got some bets. Um, I only did one special Patty's pick this week because um, I have to pay attention to it. So I'm going to force both of you to. We're picking the Territorial Cup. That's right. The game near and dear to our hearts. Arizona, Arizona State for what amounts to a piece of tin. As someone as someone who's held the Territorial Cup, it's a piece of tin. Like, it doesn't weigh a whole lot. Um, it's actually very nice silver. And when it's polished, it's very nice. But, um, you know, when it doesn't travel very often, it just stays in one place for an extended period of time, you know. That's how it goes sometimes. So here is the lines for this game. I'm going to give you all of them. You can pick them. We can talk about them. We can go engage. So yeah, the game is in Tempe. Arizona State is laying 20 and a half points. The over under is 53 and a half. Discuss. 
So my first gut reaction to this was to, to take U of A because I don't know, you know, the state of the ASU offense is not in a good spot. My buddy, who Lucas, you know, Dakota, mm-hmm. said, hammer ASU and take the over. Because <laughs> um, U of A is, is really bad. They lost by 30 to Washington. Like, U of A shown some fight during the year. Um, you know what? Like, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm going to take U of A plus 20 and a half. I, I think ASU wins by, like, 14 or 17, but... I think especially like we joked about what Jet Fish said, but there are a lot of players on that team that got smashed by 60 points last year that are going to, I think, be up for this game. U of A hasn't quit. ASU has effectively nothing to play for other than to try to play themselves out of the Sun Bowl, which they could do <laughs> if they lose. So, um, so I'll, I'll take U of A with the points, and then I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about the over-under. I'll, I'll let Lucas answer first, and then I'll, I'll see about the over-under. Lucas? No, sorry. You guys froze up there for a second. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of with you there, uh, kind of plus 20 and a half, uh, just because. Just too many points. Just too many points. Uh, and I don't trust ASU right now, even though. Betting, I think I've bet on ASU three times this year or bet in their games, and I think I'm 0-3 in all of those games. I was 0-5 until I, I took the under in that hit. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I don't trust it, but I, could, I still think they win the game relatively easy by like 10 to 17 points, but 21 is a lot to ask, I think, for this ASU team coming off a very uh, uninspiring performance up in Corvallis this past week. Yes, but the Sun Devils never win in Corvallis, so... It's true. Like, so and, I'm, I'm on like the opposite good. side like, of the I'm fence. I'm very you guys interested are. to see. They potentially I'm gonna could win ha- the North this week yeah. if they uh, take if they beat Oregon in the Civil War. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm on the opposite side of the fence, you guys. I'm gonna hammer ASU twenty minus twenty and a half, and I'm gonna hammer the over just like Dakota, wherever you are, Dakota. Thank you. Um, I'm going to hammer that, and I think just because I've watched. Almost every Arizona game this year, and it's just like uh, that, I, that's some of the worst college football I think I've ever seen. Like, can we not forget that this was the team that got handled by NAU and made it close with a garbage time touchdown to NAU? Like, a team that plays on carpet in the Sky Dome, I think is what they call their arena or their, or their facility. Like, NAU. Okay, this is not a good college football team. Uh, I give Jed Fish all the credit in the world from like trying to get his boys up. Um, I'm still dinging him for what he said earlier this week, but I think Arizona State's going to come in. There's not a single position group I look at in Arizona and be like, yeah, they're better than their counterparts in Arizona State. Like, I don't think this game is close at all. I mean, I kind of hope you're right. Um, I would love to see ASU kind of cruise and have a nice end of the regular season, uh, especially because I already hit their team under win total eight and a half. So very thankful that that's not going to ride on this game, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah. And then we all get to go to El Paso. <laughs> El Paso. It's just the worst. Ball <laughs> time, man. Just the worst. It's not even like, cause like, 
you're in you're in New Mexico, but uh, it is is it in New Mexico or is it in Texas? It's in Texas. It's in El Paso. It's in El Paso, Texas. I thought I thought it was in Albuquerque for some reason. No, but no, we played uh, the New Mexico Bowl a couple years ago. That was not fun either. No, um, that's brutal. Yeah, to play who like Virginia probably or something like that. Yeah, so it it was an ACC tie. Um, it it could be a it could be a Virginia. It could be a Wake Forest. It could be a um, NC State, maybe. Is it, is it is it still at ACC tie-in, or is it is there like Mountain West potential in there somewhere? I don't know. Took that's, that's a good question. Do we get like I don't want to say like Fresno State or I don't know. It doesn't sound super intriguing to go to El Paso for a bowl destination. Almost as intriguing as going to like the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. Um, <laughs> for your bowl destination but yeah right um but uh but no i I think it'll be intriguing i think i just don't think asu asu they they won't lose the game but if that were to happen like i just they clean like if they lose arizona i I think crow cleans house well i just remember when asu and the short time I went to ASU, Dave Erickson lost to like a three and nine uh, U of A team, like the last game of the year, and that ended up like costing him his job. So, oh man, no, that, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't the Arizona loss that cost Dennis Erickson his job. Well, they were also bad. It was. Like, it so was the fact that he decided in the Las Vegas Bowl that on third and six from the six going in that his best idea for an offensive strategy was to throw a back corner fader out to have his six foot eight quarterback. (laughs) Ryan knows where this is going. Six foot eight Brock Osweiler throw a fade route to five foot six Aaron Flugrad in the back corner of the end zone in which the Boise state Broncos picked and took to the house before anybody realized what had happened. I was at that game. I was cold. I was miserable. It was not a good time. All righty. Let's, uh, let's wrap this puppy up. Let's wrap this puppy I'm up. Falling, I'm falling asleep. I have fun. Right, Joker. It's 9.30 for you guys out there now. But yeah. It's late. It's late. Yeah. We got to get up and do Arizona things tomorrow. All right, fellas. How do we do this week? Good. I'm excited for this week. I'm excited for last. It's weird. It's the last weekend of college football, guys. It's the last like regular season weekend. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah but I'm, now we but now we get to talk about championship games. Yep. True. But rivalry week. I'll be up in Green Bay. Hopefully, be able to watch some of these games before I go see the Packers. Hopefully, beat the Rams on Sunday. So, um, can can you let your boy Aaron know that he needs to get vaccinated? Can you do that? Can you? Can you? I don't think I. I don't think it's gonna work, Patrick. Man. I don't think it's gonna work. Yeah. I don't know. All right, fellas. Well, for my apparently not lucratively paid team of Ryan Baffalucas and Lucas Rohde, I am Patrick Wagner. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay frosty. Have a good night.